You're listening to an episode of Welcome to the Teacher's Lounge, the podcast dedicated to honest conversations with educators about what they do and, more importantly, who they are. I'm your host, John LeMay, and I'm here to highlight the complex and rich lives led by teachers with diverse interests, identities, and stories. Hi there. We have a really special episode this week, and I'm so glad that you're joining me for it. This week's episode features Randy LaCasse, a music, band, and chorus teacher at Raymond High School in Raymond, New Hampshire. I'm excited to share this episode with you, not only because I love having these conversations, but also because Mr. LaCasse was my teacher. I had him for three of my four years in high school, and he is one of the best teachers I've ever had. And I think most students who have had him would say the same thing. So it was a pleasure to head back to my old high school, set up in a practice room in the classroom where I had band, percussion, and guitar class, and have a really awesome conversation about teaching. We talk about Mr. LaCasse's belief in treating his students like they're his family, his experiences as a student and how he learned to accept and implement criticism, and how he's tackled the challenges of developing and building a music program throughout his time as an educator. He also shares some of his memories of having me as a student and what I was like in high school. I think you'll really enjoy the conversation. If you do, please leave us a rating on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, and please take some time to leave a review on there as well. If you have recommendations for a guest, maybe a teacher or two from your own days as a student, please feel free to get in touch with us on Facebook or email us at welcometotheteacherslounge at gmail.com. Without further ado, here's Mr. LaCasse. Enjoy! Hey, Mr. LaCasse, thanks for coming on the podcast. Not a problem, John. It's an honor and a pleasure. Yeah, we, uh, I already talked to you about this a little bit, but this is a first for the podcast because you are the first, uh, my first guest that I've actually had as a teacher. Um, you not only taught me, but you also taught my older brother and my younger brother, so you've had like the full... LeMay experience. <laughs> the LeMay experience. It's we'll call a, it. It's been a pleasure, actually. Yes. I really appreciate that. Well, we'll definitely talk about that um, a little bit. But what I'd like you to do first to, to start things off is um, I want to go back to the first day of school. Um, by that, I mean your first day of full-time teaching. Um, I want you to try and remember as much as you can from that, uh, how you felt, the big takeaways, anything is, is totally fair game, but I'm curious about what, what you remember from that day. Well, it would have been in, in uh, the fall of 92 that I started. Uh, I was teaching in a little school up in the Lakes region, uh, Gilmanton School, and uh, I remember being, I don't know, I was maybe 22, 21, 22 years old, and excited to just be working with kids. Um, I was excited for my first job, my first real paycheck, uh, and it was it was a kind of a neat experience in, in those first days. I don't really remember the first day because it's uh, it was like I said, it's a long time ago. Right, right. Uh, but it's it, it's it was a blur. I'm sure that I was exhausted at the end of the day. Uh, it was an elementary school, middle school, so I would have seen kids, you know, grades one through eight, shifting gears like that. I'm sure it was exhausting, but it was also exciting. It was the first time I got to, you know, lead a band uh, or a chorus. Mm -hmm. Um, So I I got to put to use all the things that I had been working up to that moment for. 
Yeah. So there's a sense of satisfaction, I think, on your first day. But before the first day, it's terrifying. Right. Because, you know, you have these little human beings, you know, <laughs> in my case, they're, you know, first graders, second graders. And, you know, you just want you want them to walk away with an appreciation for music. I teach music. Right. Um, and that they'll love it their whole lives. So that's the main goal. And then everything else is kind of gravy after that. That probably comes with like a different level of pressure than like teaching something like English or math because, you know, you do have you're trying to cultivate like an interest and a passion for these things. So there's yeah. like this pressure like, oh, I don't want to like mess it up, especially when they're young. Now, now I teach high school and it's in, in I, I have my little jokes and I tease my colleagues and it says, you know, I, I teach classes the kids actually want to take, <laughs> right. not the ones that they have to take. So right. the, the, their motivation when they walk in the door is entirely different i think in in a, in a, in a required course that right. may, they may not have an interest in or a passion about so music is always you know f- for the kids i think in the school district anywhere usa is is a place where they can go and, and explore themselves yeah yeah so you started off in your first job first full-time teaching job as leading like a band and chorus oh yeah I was, it was a, it's a small elementary school like i said in the lakes region and, and i'm the only music person there so it's not only that you do the classrooms you go into the first grade classrooms you spend a half hour 40 minutes with the kids doing a music lesson based on you know folk songs or or, or you know literacy reading basic rhythms marching establishing steady beats and things like that so you give the, those kids what we call a general classroom experience and in a history and appreciation and all that. And then you have the instrumental part of, of music education and you have a choral part of music education. And, and in New Hampshire, our certification is K-12. You can teach anything. Mm-hmm. So that that's how it, it typically is for a music teacher in the state of New Hampshire. Yeah. Looking back at like your first year of teaching or first two years of teaching, like if you could like step outside yourself and like look back at like that person, like do you, would you, do you think you would see like large parts of yourself now, or do you think you were like a completely different educator like back then? Uh, I think it's been. I think part of your education, educational philosophy, comes from who you are anyway. Uh, I it was very fortunate growing up to have you know fantastic parents, fantastic role models, some great teachers that, that made it very personal for me. So my philosophy has always been when I walk into any school or at any level is, and I've, I've worked with kids before I became a teacher as a baseball coach, you, you, you kind of teach, teach them or, or work with them like they were your kids. So even in that first job uh, in Gilmanton, they quickly became my family right and when once I I think that was just part of who I am and I, I you, know, you go the extra mile for the kids that want to and, and, and you correct those kids like you would correct your own kids if they needed correcting and, and I that's the way I think I've always gone I mean you sat in my class and yeah I, I, I think that's that's who I am and I think that's what comes through it's like I said if I just you're you're all my kids. I mean, I have I have two blood kids, but I have thousands of right. other children that I still stay in touch with, obviously. And and you know you're invited to their weddings, and so that that is I think coming in something that I've always been able to do or always been able to think about. 
Yeah. Well, it's, yeah, and it's definitely come through, like, being in your classes, like, being in bands. Like, it, you created an environment where, like, it, it was a family, um, where, like, we were, you know, the kids in the class were each other's family, but also, like, you were our family and the folks that were helping out with band and even your family, like, was, right. our, you know, our family <laughs> as well. Right. Yeah, it's and and it's funny because there's there's it's not it's not accidental that like as teachers we more often than not refer to our students as like our kids. Like we don't say our students, we say like my kids. And I think to people who aren't in education or don't work with children, that's kind of strange. Like whenever I am talking about my students and I say, "Oh yeah, like I was, you know, talking to one of my kids about that." People who don't know me are always like, "Wait, you have kids?" Or like, "How many? How old are your kids?" Um, but it's just kind of like a cultural thing like that. That's, that's how you view them. Like they are essentially your children, at least like while they're in school. Yeah. And, and again, I, that comes from, you know, who you are, I think, and how you've been nurtured and brought up. Uh, but again, I, I was also very fortunate to work with some amazing colleagues that, that just live that. And it's not like we talked about it. It's just like you could yeah. see them going above and beyond, spending the hours doing what you had to do to make the difference for those kids. And, you know, my, my colleagues trying to solve problems of this, you know, young child can't read and trying to figure out why, um, because that was her kid, you know. I, so I had those colleagues all around me, too. You know, I had a great staff. Um, the kids were fantastic. Yeah. So I just had a great experience. That's awesome. That's great. When did you first realize that you wanted to be a teacher? <laughs> um, probably not until halfway through college because, I, I, again, I'm a musician. And I think every, for me at the time, uh, musicians' dreams don't start off as being a music teacher. Right. Um, you know, self-taught musician mostly through, through school. I had music teachers, but in, in my high school experience, there was no music. I'm a guitar player. So the logical dream for me was being a professional musician. Mm -hmm. It was always, hey, I always wanted to you know, be the next guitar player in Bon Jovi. That was my thing. Right. When I was in my dreams, you know, and um, I, I had a wonderful experience at King State College here in New Hampshire and uh, had great professors. And one of my professors was Professor Doug Nelson um, and he had known my family. He had grown up in the same area of New Hampshire that I had, and he kind of knew some of my relatives. And he was he was um, always talking to me about, you know, you'd be a great teacher. You know, you'd be wonderful. Trying to encourage me every step, every chance he could. Um, so probably about my junior year, when you have to declare. I was like, okay, I'll declare an education major because if I don't make it as Bon Jovi's next guitar player, I'll, mm -hmm. I'll have a job. You know, I, and I, I liked working with kids because I had coached baseball. I coached, helped coach Little League and things like that. I didn't mind it. It, it wasn't my first dream. But um, it, it slowly turned into that. Um, I had kept my you know, semi-professional playing kind of going through that first job a long time through that first job. And... Um, so it's kind of living the best of both worlds. Yeah. It made it a little hard on the weekends. You leave on a Friday night and come back Sunday and right. have to prepare for Monday. But right, right. It, it was worth it, you know. Um, so I was able to continue my playing, and but develop that love of teaching. I had a great a, a gym teacher and I at my first school. Uh, her name was Karen Stockwell. 
it just became fast friends. We started advising clubs and uh, doing all sorts of stuff, taking trips together. And, and so, you know, we were taking the kids on trips, um, just doing a lot of things. And she was, she was a great help. She was a, definitely a mentor for me, too. Do you remember the moment when you felt yourself settling into like being a teacher, like kind of thinking of yourself as being a teacher for the rest of your life? Because I know you were talking about how you were kind of like in between those two worlds, like still doing the musician thing. Um, Was there a moment when you were like, oh, this is what I am. Like, I'm a teacher and I'm going to remain a teacher. It it was probably around 2000, probably right before I came to Raymond High School is where I teach now. Um, My son had been born. I was in Connecticut and traveling back on uh, uh, you know, four o'clock in the morning, wherever it was, and um, called home to try to stay awake. And, and my wife uh, was talking about Christopher's first steps. And I'm like, um, you know what? I think I can, I can let the dream of being Ponchovi's next guitar player <laughs> go now. Right. Um, and I've always really taken a lot of pride in my teaching. But, but from then on, I think it, you know, it just gears up a little bit more. And then when I came here in high school, it was a whole different experience than the middle school, elementary school uh, experience. Um, it's, it's a much faster pace. It's, it's more time after school dedicated to not, not necessarily the schoolwork because my elementary family, they would work from, you know, the time they got home till the time they went to bed right. trying to get ready. But it's a different night schedule with performances and, and rehearsals and right. on the weekends and on the holidays, like Memorial Day, you're, you're marching to Memorial Day Parade when everybody else is home having a barbecue with, with their family. So yeah. that's that's a much different experience. Yeah, I, I think for... I think there definitely are like teachers who know from the get-go that they want to work with young people or that they want to, you know, be in education. But then I think there are there's a group of people who know like they're passionate about something and they know that on the way to doing whatever they're passionate about full time, they can also like teach it as well until they kind of figure it out. And right. I think there is kind of a moment when you settle into knowing that like okay, like I'm going to let like this version of the dream sort of fall by the wayside and then yeah. settle into teaching other other kids to potentially, you know, like have their own dreams in this particular subject. I, I think the, 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 the culmination of accepting this job in, that, in, in the summer of 2001 and knowing a little history of, of what the program was like before I, I arrived and having uh, parents that I knew in the community where I was moving to and going to teach really just charged charged me up i think at that moment in time i knew i had to take it to a different level and i you know um i think that's 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 a that was a like i said the summer of 2001 uh as i was accepting this new this position here at raymond high school Mm -hmm. that was the moment where i'm like okay i'm all in right you know really all in with trying to make this the best that it possibly could be at the time yeah and that's exactly what you have been. I mean, you've been you've been at Raymond for how long? Since 2001, so it's going to be, what, 17, 18 years, yeah. I guess it yeah. will be. Did you see yourself being here for that long when you first yeah. started? I, I think I think we do. I think the people, like you said, that teach in the electives, uh, I, I, as long as they wanted me, I was going to be here. Right, right. Uh, as long as they didn't get rid of me. Right. Um, 
So when, when you take an elective position, they're hard to come by. You know, there's right. a lot of competition for, for the jobs. And, you know, when, when someone honors you with that, you know, position is you, you got to make the best of it. And right. It's like, I, you know, you want, you, want to, you want to grow it. You want something, a program that the community can be proud of. But it's like the gym teacher here, Mr. Long, has been here since, you know. Right. You know, he's, I, I have, you know, Moses is his brother. Right. <laughs> uh, right. So he's been here since, since uh, you know, they built the new high school. So it's right. at least 1986. Yeah. And it's like people stay, you know. As long as you're there and in the, in, in, you, you can show everybody that, you know, you're making a difference for their kid. I think they want you. Yeah. Well, especially when you have like that ability to craft a program and sort of build it from scratch or like create a new iteration of it. Yeah. That, that's but I tell you, building a, building a program from scratch is a challenge because one of the things I, I had some help, you know, some parent help that comes in and I knew some of the parents uh, coming in a little bit and we had conversations. It's like the pace you have to set Mm-hmm. To build something from, you know, I started, I think there was 12 kids in the band and I think there was maybe 15 kids in, in the choir. And, and I'm like, the pace we're going to have to set to get these kids charged up, whatever we had to do, you know, performances, you know, going to UMass Band Day, whatever it was we had to do, you know, singing at the Monarchs game, which is our local mm-hmm. hockey, hockey team, hockey team. Um, Whatever it was we had to do, it was going to be so hectic and in such a pace that, you know, we're like nine years and it's going to start to get burn out a little bit because right. it's it, that's, it's an incredible pace that has to get set to build something. And yeah. we have. We built it up pretty good. The band is now 80-ish, somewhere around there, and the course is, you know, 45 or so. Right. I'd like to go back a little bit further and talk about um, what you were like as a student. Um, <laughs> You can go back as far as, as you'd like, whatever makes sense. Most folks start to tend to start, uh, tend to start in, in high school, but you can go back to middle school or elementary school. But I'm curious about like what you were like as a learner and maybe how that's also informed you know, your approach as an educator. Um, wow. I, I, I think I was I, – I loved to read when I was very young. Um, I remember Miss Kerrigan was my first grade teacher, and she taught me how to read. And mm-hmm. once she taught me how to read – then I, 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 it's what I wanted to do. I, mm-hmm. I did a lot of reading when I was little, as you know, as, as much reading. It wasn't more in peace or anything, but right. uh, you know, you, you're always practicing my reading. Um, about the same time, second grade, I actually started. My my parents got me a guitar. Uh, about you know, first second grade or whatever it was. And my I have some relatives that play, and I showed an interest in it, and they hooked me up with a. An older gentleman that lived up the street that was a you know guitar player and he showed me a few things for about a year or so um, and I just started playing it wasn't very good but I was constantly playing and I think that helped me as a learner because it, it and I was playing by ear and just you know picking out small little things but I became a listener and I think my learning style has always been auditory first and visual second not that i don't need the visual learning because i do um but i think that was true all the way through my school and even in high school um i was a very good listener uh, and i can remember things when they were said so 
Uh, I don't know if I necessarily had to work as hard at notes and things like that as, as some of my friends did. And I was still, I did pretty good grades, you know, National Honor Society, did okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, wasn't, it wasn't, you know, I had a very small school. It was very individualized instruction. I graduated with a class of 15. Yes, that's a 1-5. <laughs> uh, there were 60 kids in my high school, so, you know, and it was a K-12 school, so the teachers knew you your, your whole school career. So it it was also an experience where, if you messed up, everybody knew. Right. And, you know, my parents worked at school. My dad oh boy. was a custodian. My mom was a secretary. So, you know, in sixth grade, I, you know, failed the test. And all of a sudden, like, the, the, the teacher has me in the hallway. He's asking me why. And, <laughs> right. It's hard uh, to hide. My, yeah, it's hard to hide. You, you couldn't hide from it. But again, I think my learning style, I was a procrastinator. I'm a procrastinator. I much rather would have been playing catch with baseball or playing my guitar than, you know, doing my science homework. Right. So I, I put a lot of time and effort into learning my instrument and my studies, you know, would go to the side. But it didn't, thankfully, it didn't uh, affect my studies too much. I, I had a hard time with writing in, in high school. Mm-hmm. Um, and I knew I wanted to go to college because I, I, I wanted to get out of the town that I was in. I didn't want to be stuck. I wanted an option. And my history teacher brutalized me for about two weeks and because he knew I wanted to go to college and I handed in a paper um, that was very prob- now that I think about it very substandard I, I got it done to get it done right and he handed it back and it's bleeding red and I was <laughs> you know pissed I was like what are you talking about and he was from Alabama he had a southern draw with Randy you want to go to college? You're going to have to write better. So he handed it back to me. It was a 10-page paper. I think it was on John Adams. I'm not sure what it was. But it was a 10-page handwritten paper back in the day. And he said, do it again. And I'm like, I was fuming. Right. But I had to rewrite the 10 pages. So I rewrote the 10 pages. He gave it back to me again. And it was still pretty much covered in red. And I, it, I did it five total times <laughs> before he accepted it. He said, now... That is ready for college, and, and that has stuck with me. I share that story with my kids in school now. I said, handling criticism is, is a big part of learning. Yeah. And, you know, and sometimes pe- kids will come into your room, and if you're handing out feedback like that, they think it's a personal attack. Right. And it's not. And, that, and that's, that's sometimes that's a very important hurdle to get over Yeah. for kids. At the time... I thought he was harassing me. I really thought he wasn't, but it turns out he helped me more than I'll be able to tell him. Yeah. You know? So, yeah, again, it's, I, I wasn't the, the hardest worker, but but I, I attended to what I had to attend to. Yeah. That makes sense. And did that help? Did I answer the question? I mean, it was a long, I babbled. No, no, you absolutely did. You absolutely <laughs> did. No, I mean, it. that makes sense. And I mean, it probably, it, it sounds like, like, I think of you as, like, a very empathetic teacher, and it sounds like your status as someone who, you know, cared, but also cared about other things that might not be, you know, tied into academics, like you want yeah. to play guitar or go outside yeah. and play catch. Like, that that makes sense, because I, I think of you as someone who really recognizes potential in people and is willing to, you know, see people as individuals, even if they might not be, you know, like a quote-unquote, like, all-star student, or even be particularly gifted, like in your respective classes. I think your experience as a student and your ability to look back and see yourself um, probably impacts the way that you approach, 
you know, individual learners. Uh, most definitely. I, I think that is very true. Just because I, I was a learner once too. Yeah. I, I don't try not to forget that I was a kid. Yeah, I know. It's so it's so easy to even as someone who's like not that far removed from being a kid. Um, I find myself like forgetting, <laughs> like just how complicated like life was and seems um, when you're in high school. Oh, it, the world is coming to an end every yeah. time there's an issue. Right, right. right. And, and it's funny, you know, try to try to reassure him that, you know, the sun will come up tomorrow. And right. In 20 years, you're not going to remember that kid's name or right, right. or that situation. So. Yeah, <laughs> you know, you try to get them through. Yeah, it'll tell them that it'll be okay. <laughs> so, in in talking about about that, actually, um, I'm going to flip the flip the script a little bit. Um, as I said, because you are the first teacher I've had on here that I had as as uh, when I was in high school. Um, I'm curious about like, I don't know. Take this take this question as you will. Uh, what was I like as a student? Is there any like particular interaction or image that you that you think of when you think of of having me in class or seeing me around school? Yeah, absolutely. There's a few things. Um, the physical act attributes. You had <laughs> hair for days. That is true. You had the flow going, <laughs> and everybody wanted John Lemay hair. Um, I think that that's physically what I remember. Sure. Uh, in, the, in the hair over the eyes, not being able to see the eyes much yep. <laughs> all yep. the time. Having to always move it out of the eyes. <laughs> I remember your passion for uh, Metro Station. Oh, yeah. I believe. Yeah. Uh, Shake It was one of the, yeah. the songs. You yeah. shared that with me one time. And I'm like, okay. And I still have it on my iTunes. Oh, that's great. Today. I, probably like, I probably was trying to get you to play it at a dance or something Yeah, like I'm that. sure there's something like that. And I, you know, every once in a while, I'll go buy it on my iTunes and I'll, I'll think of you. Oh, that's so, great. So um, I remember, obviously, guitar class. You're very talented. Uh, just a, is a all around um, logically smart individual. So things kind of make sense for you i thought and it didn't take several different ways to explain the same thing for for you to get it um and, and i think that's that's a credit to you that you can think in in, in multiple points of view oh, thank you. uh was was the way and i i remember the the philosophical conversations <laughs> that we used to have in guitar class yeah um you know we talking whatever the the hot topic was for the day and um it was craig dyer yeah i remember right yeah we would have uh, you know three-way conversations about life's you know hardest questions mm -hmm. and they, it was it was enjoyable beyond the guitar playing right sometimes we wouldn't even play like a single note <laughs> every once in a while we wouldn't play because we'd get wrapped up in, in in the day's events or whatever was happening whether it was a you know, something violent had happened in yeah. the news or uh, a worry, something was going on in the world. And yeah, yeah but those those moments are, are, you know, everybody's like in a, such a high pressure today that education, they're there to learn and, you know, not anything, not anything else or anything like that. But um, to me, it's like they said, they're human beings. And if and if the the situation presents itself, you can't ignore stuff like that and we didn't yeah know, we'd play yeah we'd, we'd have our fun we'd learn i think you, i think you learned quite a bit yeah absolutely um, put put a lot together on the guitar and again it's only the guitar class is only what four or five months long and yeah like, you know semester the, the goal is just to get you to be able to continue on without me at the end right you know, right no eddie van halen's in the group right <laughs> at the end but 
you know so but along the way you know you're, you're going to be community members you're going to be citizens you're going to be dads and moms and right you you're all you're going to be all these things and if, if we don't talk about some of those things with kids and take the time to do it you know what are we really doing yeah and some people will say that that's a parent's job and, and you're absolutely right absolutely correct I would never take that away from my parent or, or try to instill my beliefs. I always share mine, mm-hmm. uh, but I always I always preface it by saying this is the way I think about things. Right. And it's like not necessarily what you have to think. Right. Um, but th- we spend a lot of time with kids, and if we don't have conversations where they can work through some of those things for themselves and hear different points of view, how are we ever going to expect them to think creatively on their own? Right. So... Yeah, I, I think about that that guitar class very often. And I was I was going to bring it up if you if you didn't, but it actually it, it really modeled uh you know the way in which you facilitate conversations because I remember that Craig and I we butted heads. Oh, did you all guys didn't believe in the same things at all? No, we we didn't, and we were in six of seven out of seven classes with each other, and we would just are just bicker the entire day. The one class that we didn't have together, it was our government class, and I remember being like, oh, like I get a little bit of a break from bickering with Craig, but I just remember you like us coming in. And and, and arguing or, or discussing these these really in depth topics, and you, you know, getting a feel for the conversation and talking to us about it, and trying to unpack like what Craig was saying to me or what I was saying to Craig. And I I think about that like as an educator, both in terms of like being willing to just like put the brakes on whatever the lesson might be oh. and deal with you know what's yeah. a, you know what's right in front of us, and also like facilitating these difficult conversations and encouraging folks to see each other and see what each other is saying and be empathetic um so something that i've taken with me like as as an educator that i I deeply appreciated and and i think it's something that's like you know we we look around now and it's like so many people have such a hard time getting along and it's because they don't understand or, or don't try to see things from other people's perspective yeah and it and it's you know if if like i said if if you're not exposed in such a way that you can calmly think about maybe what the other person is saying. You know, there's so many self-help whatever is that, you know, um, one of the things that I try to, to go by is slow is fast. Every time I've tried to, to do anything with people and then I've been in a rush or in a hurry, I just want them to get my point of view. Yeah. Um, you know, you know, and I don't want to, I don't want to listen to anything else anybody else is saying. It, and if I'm going fast like that, it, it always ends in disaster. Right. Always ends in disaster. I've always, you know, and then I ha- I've, I'm often reminded of that lesson. And I got to slow down. You got to invest some time. It's like, okay, slow down. I got to explain myself as best I can. And if I don't get it across the first time, I got to figure out a different way to do it. And I think that it always helps my teaching. Yeah. But it, it's uh, slow is fast, you know. You know, so I forget where I got it. Probably something from Seven Habits. You know, you gotta you gotta first listen before you can speak. Yeah. And there's a, there's a, there's time in between where you know actually listen and not be thinking about what you're gonna say next mm-hmm. and actually listen. Right. So you know, and I, I'm not perfect, boy, because I, I shoot for that as often as I can, but it, it's hard when you know the pressures of okay, you gotta get this done, you got a concert coming up, or you know, you got to get through this chapter. My colleagues, my poor colleagues that are in the examined uh, yeah. subjects, you know, 
they, 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 they're always so frazzled. And I think sometimes they, they go too fast with kids. Yeah. Because they have to. Right. And kids miss out. Yeah. They miss, they miss something important along the way. And you can't go back. You know, the, the cool thing in music is in band or chorus, if we're working on a piece and we're working on a certain set of measures. If we play those those measures, everybody in the room knows that it ain't good. Right. You know what I mean? It's there's, it's immediate feedback. Yeah. And it, it's and then everybody can process that feedback. Oh, we we, we got to work on that. Right. And then it's my job to kind of take it apart and and say, okay, we all heard that, right? And okay, what do we got to do? And so you know, like I said, slow to me is fast. Yeah. That actually um, that that blends really well into my next question which is so that people are going to think that i had the questions ahead of time yeah 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 <laughs> i, I fed you fed you that um <laughs> so my my next question is um i'm curious about what you think um regarding how we as educators fail our students um and i mean that both in a macro sense like how the education system however you interpret that might fail students yeah, 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 yeah. but also how we as individual teachers and individual classrooms can fail students and and what that looks like when that happens it is uh, to me i think that that failing kids this just failing kids straight out mm-hmm. um has so many ingredients in that recipe that it's hard to single out the teaching um yeah, it's such a vast question. Um, I think we as teachers probably, I, we sometimes we go too fast. Some kids can't get it as fast as we can dish it out. And, you know, the model was always, you know, for 150 years or whatever it's been, if you can't get it while I'm dishing it out, tough. And, you know, that was the business model. In a business, you're working on a factory line. Right. A little widget comes across that line and it's defective. You stop the line, you take that widget, you throw it over your shoulder and you keep going on. And I think that's that education can't be that. And when, when you get to good schools and, and when you start to think like that, it changes your whole perspective of things. Unfortunately, it also changes how much time you spend with kids. It also spent... Once you stop the assembly line and really take care of that, fix that widget, fix that kid, and take the time and energy and resources to fix that kid, it's expensive and it slows everything down. Um, so that's, that's I think, we're still trying to figure it out. We've been in education reform for 30 years. Right. And, you know, I, I think we're always in education reform. We're always trying to find a better way to do it. Sometimes we hit on something and, and sometimes it doesn't work. The, the fact that, that teachers keep trying and schools keep trying is what's important. Um, I think a school, or if not uh, our society, does, fails a, a child if they don't hold them accountable for, for it. Um, when, when kids are accountable they then tend to have more respect for themselves. They have the self-respect to expect yeah. from themselves, you know? And that's something we, 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 we got to do better at. Um, but unfortunately, when you expect from the kids or, or, or hold them accountable, we're in such a society now that it's like, okay, why did, why did they single my kids? Parents, 
parents are, I have some fantastic parents. Mm-hmm. And then I have parents that if, if your kid gets in trouble or, or is not doing well, we, we contact them or the school has to deal with them in such a way that is disciplinary. They, the, the next words out of their mouth, we're going to sue the school, we're leaving the school district, the school right. sucks. You know, it's, it's, you know, your kid made a mistake. It's okay. Right. Really, better that kid makes it now when they're a minor. Right. You know, or better that kid fails this test now. Um, I think if if we are diligent in, in, in our curriculum and instruction and always taking a look at what we're asking them to do and, and set the bar and set the bar, not ridiculously high, but where it ought to be at the end of your 12 years in, in any school district USA. Um, and there's a lot of debate about that, and there will always be debate about where that bar should be set. But it's it's that college and career ready thing that they've got going on. I, I you know, my, some of my colleagues they scoff at it. It's like it's the next, you know, buzzword kind of thing. Right. But I think that that is something to shoot for. Um, and that doesn't mean that you... You, you have to, you know, the cosine of tangent and, you know, whatever that, it, you know. Right. But it means that you have to be able to function and you have to be able to think logically. You have to understand the country you live in um, and you have to understand how it works. Um, you have to be creative. You have to you nurture their, their – that's what a school should do. And um, when we don't do that, and we don't, sometimes we don't um, – we we are continue. If you fail a student, it's it's incumbent upon you not to fail another one. Right. And we have to be accountable too. We have to be like, okay, you know what? We messed this up. We can get it better next time. Yeah. You know, we're not perfect. You know, I'm not perfect. I mess up a hundred times a day. You know, I'll miss something in rehearsal I should have caught or whatever. Um, sometimes I'll deal with the kid I shouldn't have dealt with him that way. But I always take that kid in and I always try to make it right. And that's what we ought to do. If we if we don't continually try to get better, we fail kids. Right. Yeah. Did I answer it? No, you absolutely answered it. <laughs> okay. No, you absolutely answered it. There's a lot to. Yeah, you're right. It's, a it's, very it's there's fast so question. much to that question. Yeah. It's, it's it's and it's so it's so different for every kid that walks through your class. And you know, every kid that walks in my class, I got 80 kids in my band, and 45 kids in my course. So if those 45 kids in my course, there are 45 different reasons they are there. Mm-hmm. And, and it's like trying, you're doing your best as a teacher to make sure all 45 get exactly what they need and you push them enough that they learn and that they feel like they've accomplished something at the end and they're proud of what they've done. Yeah. And, but there's, so, like I said, so many ingredients to that. It's, that's, a, that's a hard question. Yeah. I don't think there is any one thing. I, I don't think... Um, Testing all the time is a good thing. I know that's a pretty popular answer, probably. Uh, yeah, it's true. Very uh, true. I think cur- your curriculum ought to be looked at often, um, and your assessments ought to be looked at. Schools' assessments ought to be looked at to see if they're, you know, worthy of the kids. Um, that's something. That's uh, to me. That's a committee that has to be twenty-four-seven all year long, every day of the year. It's like you're always looking at your curriculum. You're always trying to get better. When, and when your curriculum is is being sharpened like that, I think that benefits kids. 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, well, it's going back to this idea of like you you saying that we have been in education reform for you know upwards of thirty years. Like yeah. there's there's a and reason there's why so many people that aren't teachers that want to reform education and right and ne- never spent a day with eighty kids in a classroom. Yeah, and really understanding understanding what that is. Yeah, and and they're all well intentioned, you know. Goals 2000, I remember that. I remember No Child Left Behind. I remember, you know, the core, whatever, the common core. Common core, yeah. Every single one of those things had the kid's best interest in mind. Right. But every single school in the United States is not the same. Right. Or have the same resources or have the same teachers or, you know, physics. You know, gravity is the same in every school across the place. <laughs> and how they teach it is is it should be individual to that school yeah and those particular kids right yeah and but it should but you know the common core that had great intentions and you can't fault it for that right you know yeah. absolutely um so moving into the final stages here um i wanted to ask you about uh your favorite um if you have a favorite quote or saying or a favorite piece of advice that um, you've kind of carried with you in your time as wow. an educator. Um, I know you already mentioned slow, slow is fast. Um, yeah. But if there's just anything that you <laughs> are just particularly mindful of at this current moment or you've remained mindful of, um, or maybe anything that you would like, any sort of wisdom or advice you would impart to a, a new teacher, I know there's a lot a lot to choose from there. But I'm, cur- <laughs> I'm curious what comes to mind. Oh, I don't, I don't know if I have one uh, that I can call upon at the moment. Uh, you know... I think the, the newest one is, you know, expect from yourself and you respect yourself. I think that's for right now that that's the one I go to. That's what I kind of guides me. So if I expect, okay, I, I got to solve this problem. Like I know I can, I expect I can. And at the end of the day, I know I've done what I, everything that I could possibly do. Yeah. Um, and I can respect the fact that, you know, if I were successful or not. Right. So right now, I think that's the best one. I tell you the one that I share with with the kids, and and I only started sharing it since high school because, and it might sound sexist, I'm I'm just going to say it. Uh, A a lot of kids end up in my office, and, you know, because of a a breakup uh, or or something like that, one Mm -hmm. of my go to lines is from Glorious Dynam. You two quoted it in one of their songs. I forget which song it is, but and and every time the, the 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 it doesn't matter who it is really. Any by the time someone's in one of those relationship things, I always I always say you know a woman needs a man like a fish needs a bicycle. And, <laughs> you know it's it's one of those things that I've always gone to, and, and a lot of the my female students and you know some of my male students I you know role reverse it. Yeah, it's like you know you don't. You know, just try to help them through. Yeah, that's the only other one that I can think of yeah. that I've ever ever used with kids. Yeah, that that uh, it's been constant since I started teaching high school. Right, right. Well, it's, <laughs> I mean, it makes sense. I definitely remember that coming up, uh, being in being in your class. Um, at the some world point. is over. When, you know, they're in my my office and they're yeah. in the rocking chair, and it's like I'm I'm just throwing tissues at them. Right, right. Like, you know, and it's 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 part of high school. It's part of those things that you go through it's yeah. even in even you know 
even outside, even as adults, we go through it. Sure. But to tr- try to keep some perspective. Right. Know? Well, it goes back, yeah, to the idea of perspective and also, like, saying, like, look, like, you don't, like, you don't need that person. Like, you yeah. have, you like have what said, you in, need. In 20 years, you know, you may not even remember their name. Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. All right. So the last thing I'm going to have you do is um, I, I have a little challenge if you are feeling up for a challenge oh, currently. Oh, gosh. Um, oh man! <laughs> I'll take that as a. Uh, I, if you're going to show me pictures with, and I'm going to no. have to come up with names, that's I'm going to fail. No, no, no. <laughs> I, I wouldn't do that to you. That's that's okay. very cool. Even I, I wouldn't be able to do that for like some students <laughs> I had like three years ago. Um, what I'd like you to do is, to the best of your ability, capture your essence as a teacher, or kind of pitch yourself as an educator. However you interpret that, to the best of your abilities, in thirty seconds. So I have a timer. I'm going to throw 30 seconds on the clock, and I just want you to, whatever comes to mind, if you had to describe yourself as a teacher, what you do, how you try to, you know, carry yourself as an educator, anything is is totally, totally fair game. Sound doable? Okay. okay, so I have 30 no, seconds. No, it doesn't sound doable at all. <laughs> right. Well, I appreciate your willingness uh, to do it anyway. Um, okay. Okay, so um, I have 30 you seconds on the go. clock. And, yep, I'll count down in three, two, one. Go. A professional colleague, a caring individual, um, a dedicated employee, a mentor. Um, I hope that my essence is is one of nurturing. I hope it is one of Ten kindness. Seconds. And I hope it is one of instilling a passion for learning as long as as long as they want to learn as young adults. That's great. Awesome. Did I did I pass? You passed. Well, you did. You passed this round. So I'm gonna oh, ask you. Is that lightning round? Is there? I'm gonna ask you to do that again, <laughs> but this time I want you to do it in ten seconds. In ten seconds. Same exact thing, but in ten oh seconds. Oh my yeah. head! Forcing you to to distill um, as best you can. Okay, so I have ten seconds on the clock, and I'm gonna count down in three, two, one, go. A kind, caring, dedicated, and uh, <laughs> I, I don't know. Okay, well, <laughs> that, that that works for me. Kind, caring, dedicated, that, that captures it. And that's actually, that's going to make uh, this next part easier, potentially. Okay. Um, I'd like you to do, I would like you to capture your essence as an educator to the best of your ability using one single word. Oh, my head. Uh Dedicated. I think I'd pick dedicated. That's awesome. That checks out to me. Great. Well, um, thank you so much for talking with me, Mr. Lacasse. You're um, very welcome. As, as I said at the top, um, you know, having you as, as an educator kind of makes this even like more more special and I appreciate all that you've done for me. Um, I had you for three out of my four years at high school. I couldn't get I couldn't get that senior year of band <laughs> in, unfortunately, because of scheduling. But I appreciate you being there sort of like for my entire high school experience and you being present in my older brother's life and my younger brother's life. And there is very much a reason why we all speak of you um, so fondly and, and cite you as among our favorite teachers. Um, so I really appreciate it. Well, thank you. Uh, it's it's uh, it's been a pleasure. It's a pleasure with all my kids. It's like I said, it's just my family continues to grow and grow. That's all every year. Yeah, well, happy to have you as part of it. Thank you to Mr. Lacasse for taking the time to speak with me. 
This podcast was created and hosted by me, John LeMay. Our associate producer is Emily Muller. Our cover art is by Katie Cooper. And our theme music is You Need a Visa by Really From. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you'll join me next week for another episode featuring another teacher and another story.